0: I wonder if all over this house we can just magnify the Lord together. Come on, let's give him praise. He's worthy of honor and glory. Hallelujah. God, we worship and we praise you. We magnify you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful presence of the Lord is in this house tonight. I know you're standing. Amen. I'll just be real quick in my introductory remarks here. What an honor it is to be asked to preach this. I remember that retreat some 10 years ago. Amen. I was much younger, a little thinner, hair wasn't as gray, but I only had one hand. Some things have not changed, but what a great treat it was to connect with this church years ago, not knowing that a time in our life would bring a transition that would bring us to St. Louis and to the sanctuary. This truly has been, in more ways than any of you will know, a sanctuary for my wife and I and our family. Amen. The kindness of this church to us in the times that I've been able to be here have been more than I could ever ask for. My wife and I both appreciate each of you so much. Thank you for your kindness, allowing us to be here. It's, it's been kind of neat to minister and be in church with friends. Man, it's so good to be with brother and sister. Graham, not only do I appreciate your leadership, sir, but you have no idea how much I appreciate your friendship over the years. And it's pretty cool that I get to go to lunch with you every once in a while. It's kind of cool. Amen. To Pastor Bland, Sister Bland, I'll say more on Sunday, but thank you. When we stepped into this church, you were preaching a series on Wednesday, teaching a series, Jesus Loves You. And it was as if the Lord reminded me all over again after 20 years of pastoring that you know what, he kind of does love me. (laughs) I think he likes me. Sometimes we question those things, but thank you for opening your arms to our family. It means so much. I want to get into the word of the Lord. You young people are amazing. Church, the talent that we just saw on this platform. Absolutely unbelievable. Man, I don't know if I can't see really if Brother and Sister hafi are here. If they're not, their back's lid and we need to pray for them. But uh, you can definitely tell that they pour into the next generation. And the future is bright. I know that we're all gathered here tonight. Some of you may be here tomorrow night, speaking of adults. But I'm going to just do my best. One of my passions and my heartbeat is to preach to this generation. And I count it as an honor. If I start naming friends here, the youth team, I love you guys so much. Brother Brennan, thank you so much for the opportunity, you and your wife, precious people. Let's get to the word of the Lord tonight, okay? I, I looked over and said, now I'm not held to that eight o'clock thing, am I? Brennan said, no, you just preach whatever. So some of y'all are a little nervous now. You're so used to it, creatures. If you, if you gotta leave at eight, I'll give you 12 minutes of the best I got, okay? All right, Jeremiah chapter one. We're going to begin reading in verse number four. It says this, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet by the nations. Then I said, Oh Lord God, truly I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go everywhere that I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Go with me quickly to Psalm 139, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. I want to preach to us tonight, simple, simple thought, nobody is born average. Why don't we clap our hands to the Lord and just give him a little bit of praise. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have your way in this house, Lord. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. I I stand before you tonight completely convinced that God has a divine design for every student under the sound of my voice tonight. There is not a question in my mind that the words that were spoken to Jeremiah thousands of years ago before this night still ring very loud and very clear to this generation when he said, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I am also convinced that there is no force in hell or on this planet that can take that promise from us if we truly, truly believe that it's speaking about us. Now, I understand that for many of us in this room, we may not officially know each other or on a name-to-name basis, we are not just here, though, just to get acquainted. We're not here just to shake hands and go through the motions of being friendly to each other. No matter what our connection may be, I know this. There is something very unique, and there is something very powerful, and there is something very special that happens in moments like this when students get together and begin to seek after God, to touch the Lord, to hear from God. And I believe by the time we get out of this place in the next few moments that we will have a privileged opportunity to take a front row seat to the power of God working in us and around us and through us. And if you will allow God tonight, God God will majorly transform your life and give you something in this youth week that you can take home that will stay with you in the years to come. God is still in the business uh, of seeking young people that will rise up in this hour and carry the message of Calvary to the halls of your high school, to your family and your junior high, to your world and to your parents. Uh, I believe this with everything. In the fiber of my being, there is no greater force than the force of a student that is on fire for God nations have been shaken by the power of a believing student that steps up into their generation and declares if God be before me uh, who can be against me revivals have been unleashed uh, upon humanity when a young person stands up and begins to realize I can uh, do all things uh, through Christ uh, which strengthens me That is why on this first night I'm going to deliver a message that I believe God placed within my heart for this generation. You see, I know what it feels like to question the purposes of God over my life. A while back I heard a story that I believe will illustrate what I'm trying to bring to us tonight. It's the story of a young couple several years ago that were expecting the birth of their first child. They'd got the room ready. They painted the crib, set it all up. Everything was ready. They'd chosen the names. This was long ago before they knew if it was gonna be a boy or a girl, so they were kinda in the middle of trying to figure out names and colors and all that, but finally the day arrived when the soon-to-be mother looked at the soon-to-be father and said, I think we better get to the hospital. Through the small eastern Oregon town of Pendleton, they drove to the hospital, and there the process of birth began for the soon-to-be mother. Now, this was before fathers were allowed to go into the room with their wives, so the father was taken to a waiting room near the delivery room, and he waited for his child to be born. Some four hours later, after this mother gave birth to a child, there was an instant hush that kind of fell over the 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 operating room and the delivery room and the father hearing this sudden silence and all of a sudden hearing the cry of his wife who very loudly proclaimed doctor what is wrong with my child the doctor took the child in his arms placed it into the arms of its mother and says this child has some issues it's going to need some extra care. The doctor then stepped out of the delivery room and there was the father anxiously waiting to hear the news and he, he asked the doctor, doctor, what's going on? The doctor said, we're not sure. We're gonna, we're gonna check some things out. There's some issues. And, and finally, the father was allowed to go into the room and for the first time, he looked down upon his son and he said, there's nothing wrong with my boy. He's absolutely perfect. Now, you see, I know this story well because it is the story of the events surrounding my birth. As some of you have been able to tell, I was born with only one hand. Some of you thought I had something up my sleeve, but I don't. I was born missing my left arm from the elbow down and as far back as I can remember, I have had to deal with trying to come to an understanding, students, of why it was me that was born the way that I was born. I can remember as a young child not understanding why people would stare at me or why they felt uncomfortable when I came near. To some people, I was unacceptable, a freak of society, some mistake that should have been passed off to somebody else or possibly something that should have been aborted before I was born. Now, going into school, I remember the pressures of trying to fit in and just be accepted for who I was. And I remember going into the first grade and the excitement that you have in facing a new challenge. I had conquered kindergarten. I'd learned to draw within the lines. And I remember one day I decided I, when I was born, I was inducted to the, into the Shriners, those people that have the funny hats and drive the go-karts and the parades. And I remember they allowed me to go get fitted for a prosthetic. And I had this prosthetic. It was a hook. Anybody ever seen those hooks? You know what I'm talking about. It was awesome. I, it was great for Halloween. I always played Captain Hook. And I remember wearing it to school one day, Brother Graham, and me and a buddy of mine were on the playground, and I jumped, and my hook accidentally jabbed him in the lip, and blood started coming out, and I'm like, this is awesome. Going back into the classroom, my teacher didn't see it that way, and she pulled me out of the classroom there in Salinas, California. I remember her pointing her finger in my face and saying, how dare you wear that to school? I never want to see that on your arm again. You're not like the other students. She put a note in an envelope and sealed it and gave it to me and said, "I want you to give this to your parents when you get home." My little first grade heart was crushed. I'll just be honest. I I I was I was devastated. I I didn't know what I did wrong, but I remember going home and pulling out of the folder this note and giving it to my dad. And my dad was in his recliner. And he opened the note. To this day, I have no idea what that note said, but he read it. He put it down next to him on the stand, and he pulled me up into his arm and said, "Listen to me, Darren." I don't care what that says. Uh, far as I'm concerned, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, God has a plan for your life. Few years later, we moved to the new a new state, state of Idaho, and I was in the fourth grade, right in the middle of the school year. And I remember having to go through the whole process of trying to make friends and feel accepted. And we were all we were we were out on football, out on the football field, and I wanted to play football with the guys. I wanted to show them I could beat them single-handedly, but they wouldn't let me. And I remember coming back into my classroom, Brother Bland, and I I collapsed on my desk. I'll be honest, and I began to weep and I began to cry. I thought, Here we go again and I'm different. I'm not like anybody else. Why are they treating me this way? I can catch with one hand. I sure can run. I can catch with one hand. Why are they doing this? A student that was close by, a girl by the name of Shelly Morrow, went up and told my fourth grade teacher what had happened. And all of a sudden, there was a different tone in the room, if you will. I remember my teacher saying, class, can I have your attention? Remember, I'm I'm on this desk, I've got tears running out of my eyes and I got snot running out of my nose, I'm a mess. Sorry to grill some of you out. But I remember the teacher saying, Darby, would you come here? Sharon, would you come here? Tanya, would you? Cindy, would you come up here, please? He lined up four or five students across the front of the classroom and he began to point out their unique differences. He said, notice Darby is tall and he he's thin and he can run like a gazelle. And I, I don't know. And and this one, look at him. He, he's the future Justin Bieber and, and, and all kinds. He just started pointing out their, I don't know if that's a positive difference, but he started pointing out their positive differences. Tanya, Has got curly blonde hair. Sharon has this going on. And all of a sudden, I heard what I did not want to hear. I'm still at my desk and said, Darren, would you come here for a moment? I remember wiping my tears and walking up thinking, Here we go again. I'm going to be made an example. I'm going to be singled out. But this time, Mr. Jenkins, I remember his name. I don't remember my first grade teacher's name, but I remember his name. He put his arm around me and says, this is Darren's unique difference. He was created like this. There's nothing wrong with him. And from that moment on, things begin to change for this guy right here. In high school, my arm almost became the school mascot. I I remember I ran for student body something and my dad was my campaign manager and he drew this figure of me with a sleeve hanging down. He said, vote for Sarge. He'll be your right-hand man because that's all he can be. (laughs) And I won. Going into high school was a blast. We had a substitute. If you're a substitute teacher, God bless you. Get a job. I'm, I'm just kidding. And I remember we had a substitute, uh, Spencer. Come help me, where's Spencer? I said, I, I need a word, Spencer, don't hide now. Give it up for Spencer Hobson. Come here, Spencer. Come on, get on up here. What are you waiting on? This is a Kodak moment right here. Nobody knows what that means. Sit down right there, would you? I had a buddy of mine who had a really, really big mouth. And when the substitute would come in, my buddy would lean back in the desk, open his mouth wide, open it wide, open it wide, open, yeah, you got to do it, you got to do it. And I put my arm in there like that, hey, give me my keys back, hey, ah, he bit my arm off. <laughs> Didn't have to lick it, dude. <laughs> Tastes like chicken, doesn't it? Here's what's so funny about it, thank you, Spence, here's what's so funny about it. The substitute went, Whoa! I got called into the principal's office, and the principal said, you can't do that. You can't do, we can't get substitutes to come to this school. They're scared of the guy who gets his arm bit off. I was at a youth convention one time, a bunch of us, and this girl asked me, she said, Darren, what happened to your arm? I said, well, I used to be a professional surfer. She goes, really? I said, yeah. I said, I was in a surfing competition on the coast of Austria. I didn't know if Austria had a coast, but she was a blonde, so it didn't matter, you know. It's like sorry, I'm just kidding. All the blondes are like What did he say? You'll get it tomorrow morning. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing and I said I was in this final, final competition and I fell off my board and when I did, I saw this fin and I thought it was my surfboard, the fin on my surfboard, but it was a shark and it bit my arm off, but I pulled the arm out of the shark's mouth and I start beating him over the head and I look up and she is just crying. I said, come here, baby. <laughs> hey, a guy's gotta do what a guy's gotta do. I got a lot of stories. But let me just say this. There were many moments, specifically in my teenage years, when I would awake at night and try to understand, try to figure out and question God why was I created this way? But over time, young people and through circumstances, I began to realize something God doesn't create junk. Hello, somebody. We've already read it, but the psalmist declared, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Every single one of you young people that are under the sound of my voice tonight, you were born and stamped with divine destiny on your spirit. You were formed in the womb of your mother with such promise and potential. It is staggering. I don't care what you're facing greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world but here's the deal hear me students, somewhere between the cradle and the grave the enemy of your soul and mine has woven his way into the fabric of our design and he has tried to convince you and I that we're nobody great uh, that we're just another statistic on some social worker's report, that we are just another number in the mass of humanity that inhabits uh, this spinning globe, Uh, somewhere between the time you were born and the time you die, you're gonna be faced uh, with the lie. Of a devil uh, who says you don't mount to much, Uh, you don't have a whole lot to offer. Uh, Somewhere along the journey of life, uh, amen, you are gonna be convinced uh, that you don't have anything and you're nothing but average. Uh, But I stand here on the first night of a youth week to declare you uh, were not born average, Uh, amen. The psalmist uh, had a revelation I'm unique, Uh, I'm special, I'm formed. by the design of a creator I'm crafted by my creator amen to live an abundant life you were not born after The Apostle Peter said it best, but you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Just going to be as real as I can be tonight. I've had times that I didn't know where to turn. Amen. And I've questioned my identity. Do you think for one moment that God created you to go through this life constantly being defeated and constantly living beneath your privilege as a child of God? Not for one moment. You are here, placed in this generation, yes, to seek and to save that which is lost. You're not just a bump on a pickle. You're not just somebody sitting in the sideline. You are a child of God. You are created to to speak to those things that are not as though they already are. You are created to, to have revival. Amen. To see your world turned upside down. Nobody is born average. This first night, I just simply wanted to stop by to get this deep down into the recesses of your spirit. You are not a mistake. Hello? You're not an oops. You're not a failure. You're a child of God. You have been created to declare, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You are created to declare, if God is for me, who can be against me? You were created to declare, I am an overcomer. In fact, I'm more than a conqueror. I know you got struggles. I know you made mistakes. But I know a God that can reach down and use anybody, anything, at any time. Hear me. Hear me for just a moment. There's an interesting story about Gideon. The Bible says that Gideon declares, I'm the least in my father's house. He didn't think a whole lot of himself. I'm just average. I'm just a nobody. The angel says, no, you're a mighty man of valor. He doesn't really buy into this yet. When he first starts this campaign, thousands show up to support him. But we know the story of Gideon. All of a sudden, it's down to just 300 and Gideon's probably thinking to himself, this don't look good. The odds are against me. I'm not going to be able to... I remember as a kid, I'm not... I had a teacher in sixth grade who a guest felt sorry for me, so he tried to teach me karate. I'm not a violent person. I can't even stab my own Capri son. <laughs> Gideon is like... How in the world are we going to get this done? God, have you seen what you left me with? There's only 300. So God says, okay, Gideon, I got one more assignment for you. I want you to sneak down. If you're afraid, take your servant with you and go down and listen to the enemy. He goes down. He's hiding behind the bushes, and he's listening, and he hears them talking around a fire. One of them says, I had the weirdest dream last night. What, what do you mean? He said, I had this dream of this huge barley cake, this bale of hay come crashing down the mountain, just wiping everything out. And the guy all of a sudden becomes a prophet. His buddy said, well, that's the armies of Gideon. And that's the armies of the Lord. And Gideon's going to destroy us. Or we're going to be nothing. All the while Gideon, scaredy cat Gideon is hearing this. See, here's the issue. So many times we can live our lives hearing what the enemy is saying to us instead of what they're saying about us. There's a big difference. Like, hey, storm youth can have revival when all you've been hearing, uh, amen, from the enemy is you're a failure, you're a nobody. But if you could listen into the halls of hell tonight, you would hear uh, an enemy saying, I hope they don't get this revelation. I hope they don't rise up in the twilight. I hope they don't turn their world upside down. Amen, some of you, uh, all you've heard is how bad of a failure you are. All you've heard is how bad you got it. Uh, that you're nothing, you're average little, you're insignificant, a mistake and a failure. But hell's talking about you and hell's saying they got the stuff. They can make it. Amen. Because greater is he that is in them than he. I'm calling a group of students to an experience with God unlike anything you've ever experienced before in your life. A revelation of your identity, your purpose, and your destiny. You see, I'm wrapping it up here in just a moment, but the area the enemy attacks most is in your mind, convincing you of lies that are not biblical. Hear me, young person, they're not true. It's time for apostolic young people to rise up and claim who and what you are. You are not a mistake. I don't care what family has told you that. I don't care what friend has put you down. I don't care. Hello, somebody. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Hear me. Hear me. It does not matter how many likes you get on Instagram or who follows you on TikTok. Those things do not define you. God defines you. And he has already declared and it is forever settled. A man greater is he that is in you than he World. can I just be real tonight I'm tired and sick and sick and tired I'm seeing good students uh, talented and gifted young people anointed young people uh, lose their way in the midst of an untoward generation because they are afraid of what somebody else thinks of them your identity who you know you are in God determines everything there is to know about your future well, you don't understand, Brother Sergeant. I come from a divorced family. You don't get it, Brother Sergeant. My mom is a crack addict. My daddy left us when I was a kid. Hear me. That does not define you. I'm tired of seeing good students allowing their circumstances define who they are. Your circumstances do not define you. You define your circumstances. Uh, your identity in God has to be revealed uh, in order for this generation to rise up uh, and realize if God's for me, uh, who can be against me? Uh, amen. I could have spent my life uh, always worrying about the fact uh, that I can only count to five I to take my shoes off I could have spent my entire life thinking man I sure wish I could do sign language but people would only get half the message hello I could have spent my life always worried about this or that But I decided in the middle of my teenage years, God, you have fashioned and formed me for a reason. I'm looking at some young men and some young women on this first night of youth week. You are not what they say you are. It doesn't matter if you're being shamed, bullied, or pushed around. God formed you and created you and crafted you for such a time as this. There's some Esthers in the house there's some Davids in- you realize, young ladies, young men, when you realize and recognize what God has done by just giving you the opportunity to be born, when you understand your identity, it will govern every area of your life. There's four things that I want to talk to you about in closing. Number one, your identity will affect your purity. You gotta understand you are a temple of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello? You're not some boy's possession. Oh, don't get quiet on me now. I pastor for twenty years. I can't preach. <laughs> I'll get down into this. Your identity can affect your purity. Your identity is not defined by the boy that wants to run his hands all over you, young lady. Can I just be real tonight? Can we just talk about it? Your identity is not defined by your sexual conquest, young men. True identity. Identity that is inspired by God is understanding I am a child of God. He created me. He formed me for purity and righteousness and holiness. I don't have to be like them in the school. I can stand for what's right. I can make a difference in my world. I can do something with my life. Second thing, your identity will affect your destiny. Understanding who you are determines where you go. I say it often, but attitude determines direction, and direction is more important than speed. Your attitude about who you are, your attitude about what God can do in your life tonight and in this week is so vital. Your identity will affect your destiny. The third thing is simply this. Your identity will affect your consistency. When you know who you are, you're pastor won't have to worry if you'll be in church over the weekend. Hello? Your youth pastor knows you will be in that altar. Your mom and dad will know you'll be teaching that Bible study, praying for that friend, consistent in life, consistent in faith, consistent in your relationships. And finally, your identity will affect your elasticity. Life is going to stretch you. Life is going to throw things at you that you never saw coming. You're going to see things happen and that ability to be stretched yet maintain who you are. When temptation comes and stretches you and trials come and stretch out your faith, if you know who you are and you go back to that place of being who God called you to be, you'll make it. If times you feel like you're bending don't break in times you feel like your faith is being challenged don't give up in times when it feels like everybody maybe even in your own family has walked away from god you stand your ground you may be stretched right now but your identity is going to bring you back to a place where you can stand flat-footed and recognize i know in whom i have believed and i know that he's able come on young people get your hands in the air your past does not have to define you your failures do not have to define you your struggles don't have to slow you down your faith is strong your feet are secure your heart is settled your destiny is defined you have what it takes why because you're fearfully and wonderfully made i've shared this with students across the country Hundreds have downloaded it off my website and I've emailed it to countless thousands. It's a manifesto I wrote one day when I was feeling a little bit down about who I was. I call it, very simply, the Fearfully and Wonderfully Made Manifesto. It's nothing on par with Ted Kaczynski, but it's close. Some of you don't even know who that is. But hear me, here's my Fearfully and Wonderfully Made Manifesto. I am not a mistake i am on a mission i am part of a revolution a revolution of identity a this is who i was created to be movement this isn't an excuse just to be average or mediocre it's a challenge to accept who i am but also to do something with who i am i accept the challenge to rise to the occasion to take my god created identity and make a difference in my world call it a revolution call it an uprising call it a movement call it whatever you want to call it but get an understanding of this i was created for a purpose a divine destiny and i was placed on this spinning globe for a reason my race can't stop me my past can't hinder me. My so-called disability will not keep me down. I am somebody created to, to fashion a miracle out of my mess. I won't stop. I won't quit. I won't feel sorry for myself. I will be who God created me to be. I was not created to be you. I was created to be me. You don't look like me. You don't act like me. You don't smile like me. And you sure don't smell like me why should i spend my life trying to be somebody i was not created to be i may be dealing with issues i may come from a bad home i may have a problem but i was fearfully and wonderfully made to be me i won't be rude about it But I will stand up for the God that created me and what he created me to be. And I will let you know right off the bat, I am not junk. I am not a mistake. I am a created being, created for a reason, a divine reason, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made young people. I don't care what they've said. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I don't care if they've made fun of you. I know this. God has a purpose. God has a plan. It's not over yet. It's just beginning. Your future is bright because God formed you and fashioned you. I'm opening these altars young people. I wonder if there's any young people tonight on the first night of a youth week will come down to this altar and say God help me to recognize help me to realize give me a revelation of who I am come on if I got any parents that like to help us let's pray for these young people tonight